Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. Yes, you heard it correctly. Daylight saving has started. We've all dragged ourselves out of bed an hour earlier. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully all of you, our listeners, are... Uh, in bed still, and uh, but listening in. So hopefully you're tuned in this morning. But, of course, we'll be here until uh, the new time of quarter past nine, um, our, normal, our normal time slot, but uh, just an hour earlier for everything. So, uh, yeah, anyway, we'd love to hear from you once you're up and out of bed. <laughs> well, <laughs> Do give us a call. <laughs> yeah. Ring from in bed. I hope you've got it beside the bed ready to go. But okay, first up we have to say a very good morning to Stephen Ryan, who I've dragged out of bed early. Morning, yes. Stephen. Good morning, Pam. Yes, it's weird getting up in the dark again, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just got used to it being light, yeah, and here we go is. again. And of course, I didn't sleep terribly well last night, because I'm always nervous that my, You'll my sleep phone through the alarm won't or... <laughs> go, change over. And yep. It did. I mean, I, I knew it would, but you, your mind just can't quite shut off. You've got the That's sense right. that, you know, what if the alarm doesn't go off at the right yep. time, because my clock... Oh, my phone didn't switch over. Yeah. But anyhow, so I didn't sleep well. I, I was actually awake by the time the alarm went off anyway. And uh, yes, oh, I think that was because you've been so busy yesterday <sighs> as well that your mind was still ticking over and oh, yeah, couldn't let yeah. go. Yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of adrenaline rush there's going on. There's a lot at the going on. So, yeah, so I will collapse in a big heap. Yeah, we'll talk all about what's, what's <laughs> yes. on in a moment. Yeah. But we have to say a very good morning to Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. Morning, Craig. Pam. Morning, listeners. And I had the same syndrome as Stephen. I'm lying in bed thinking that the alarm was not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, We're all right. crazy. It's, well, it's, it's, it's not fair having to do the changeover weekend. <laughs> and it's always my job because I'm first one in the station yeah. Yeah. to change all the clocks around the station. So I've been teetering up on chairs and things, oh, trying dear. to reach for clocks to turn oh, them over. Oh, dearie. So somebody didn't do it last night when they... Oh, no, they never do. They always leave it to me uh, every year. Oh, <laughs> never dear. mind. Oh, well, anyhow. I'll do it again when daylight saving stops, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the happy time. <laughs> yeah, that's the great time. We get right. to sleep in. Well, I do have to say I do like the fact that we're going to get that extra little bit of daylight in the afternoon. I like that. See, I use the time in the mornings. Yeah. I'd be out in the garden at the crack of dawn, and by 5.30 I've had it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm a bit more of an afternoon person, so yeah, I'll get home and do things in you the garden. Go out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's because you're tied up in the nursery. Well, there is that as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, really, in the morning I like to get my sleep in if I can get it. Um, well, so, we have to get it sometime. Yeah, well, of course <laughs> you do. Yeah, so anyhow, so it's, it's all gorgeous, lovely day yesterday, fabulous day to be out in the garden. Today looks like it's going to be all right, although it's a bit blustery. Windy, uh, windy, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could live without the wind. But it's a pot drying out day. Yeah. And a pot falling over day as well. Yes, I end up with a lot of ground covers. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I hate windy days in the nursery. It just drives me nuts. But, but we are going to get showers over mm. the next week. Good. So that hopefully will counteract the wind today yeah. with yes. a bit of luck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, we need that because I'm going away on Tuesday for three weeks. So. I know. You're yeah. going to have to tell listeners where you're going. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, we and what do you're that going now. to do. Why don't we do that now? Why don't you do yeah. that right yeah. now? Yeah. My partner, Craig who is a botanic artist, and some people may or may not know that, but anyhow, he's a very good botanic artist, uh, because he submitted a work into an institute called the Hunt Institute of Botanic Illustration in Pittsburgh. And the Hunt Institute is supposed to be one of the world's leading 
organisations with regards to botanic art. So what they do is every three years they have an, an exhibition. People from all over the world are invited to um, uh, enter works. Um, there were 550 works entered from around the world. It doesn't mean there were 550 artists because some artists entered more than one work. Yep. And they selected 42 uh, of those 550. Craig, one of Craig's works was selected in that 42. Fantastic. Um, so we're going to the opening of the exhibition because the other interesting thing about the hunt is it's not about getting a, a gold, silver or bronze medal or something. Once you're accepted into that elite group, that's it. That's what you get. Yep. Um, but you can't do it again. Because you oh. have you have been part of the Hunt Institute, and that's you know so you're now registered as a uh, as a contemporary botanic artist right. working through the Hunt, and so this is our one and only opportunity to go and see Craig's work hanging in this institute because he won't be invited back to do it again. So right. it's a once-off. You can keep entering until you do get accepted. Um, uh, so if you get knocked back once, you can have another crack at it. Okay. But once you've been accepted into the Hunt Institute, that's it. Okay. So, yeah, so we're going to spend a few days in New York. I want to go to see the High Line, uh, something I've always wanted to do. Yeah, I've just done that. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be fun, I hope. I assume you enjoyed it and found Ab- it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so we'll do that. And we'll, we're hoping might, we might get some tickets to the opera and, you know, go to some of the museums, all mm. that sort of stuff. And then we'll get a hire car and we're going to sort of drive down through Pennsylvania, um, sort of cross the bottom of Pennsylvania to Pittsburgh, and we'll spend two or three days there with the Hunt Institute. And then we'll get in our car and we'll drive across the top. We might go to Niagara Falls, um, and we'll go through Amish country, all that sort of stuff. And I might see some red trees. Because I would imagine that, you will. Yeah, it's that time yeah. of the year. So we'll be able to go and um, have a look at the autumn colour in, in North America, which yeah. is something I didn't think I'd ever get round to doing. But yeah. there you go. There you so go. I'll be back at the beginning of November. Um, so it's all terribly exciting. Um, it is. And... There's so much to do between now and Tuesday morning. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, it's such is life. If you, you know, if you want to enjoy life, you've got to be out there doing it. Of course. So, uh, yeah, so what with all the things that are going on this weekend um, and uh, leading up to Tuesday morning, uh, I think I'll get onto the plane and fall in a heap. But anyhow, that's all right. Well, you won't have trouble falling asleep on a plane then, will you? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I normally don't sleep on a plane. I'm not good say. at that either. No. I don't know how people manage it. No. Same. It's, I, can, I can fall asleep here. Yep. Yeah. But not on a plane. Yeah. No, I don't no. either. I, I have I, this ridiculous sense that if I fall asleep... I'll lose control of the plane and we'll, we'll crash. Oh, yeah, well, crash, it'll plummet to the ground because you're asleep, Pam. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, so anyhow, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And speaking of planes, too, in case people are interested, there is still space on our trip to Normandy and Brittany, but we have enough people for the critical mass we need for it so to be So it's going death. ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Normandy trip is definitely a goer. Uh, and I'm rather chuffed to say that about the first 10, I think, people who booked were all people that have travelled with us before. Oh, great. So it's really good. That's so fun. We've got a whole pile of sort of old friends basically going That's great on board. Fun. So if anybody's still interested in doing it, um, that north part of France is just absolutely Oh, it's so stunning. gorgeous. It is beautiful. Mm. So... Um, uh, consider it. I mean, you've still got time to book if you wanted to get in on board, but, you know, they'll start, you know, towards the end of the year, they'll close it off. So if you want to get on board, um, you should, because they've got to lock in their rooms and all that sort of stuff that the company has to do and I don't have to worry about, which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so we're looking forward to that trip. So. Oh, and the gardens are to die for oh. because they get the rainfall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're so green and, and lush and, it's, and, and it's beautiful. And it's not normally hot up there, although I have to say last year, or last time we went to North, 
Normandy we had a few really hot days. But, um, you know, they've got sort of hostas growing out in full sun and you yeah. know, next to their ornamental grasses and, right. you know, things that you, do, you just wouldn't attempt to do in a garden here. Yes. This is what I found on the east coast of the United States yeah. too. Right. And I looked at the viburnums, the deciduous viburnums, and I thought, why am I growing them? Mm. <laughs> yes. They're all covered in fresh foliage and oh. dripping with berries. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And by this time, that time in our, um, here in Australia. Yeah, they're, they're sort of looking frazzled. A bit and fried. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a really really good place to go so I would recommend it if you are even thinking about it I mean I did the south of France last year which was beautiful but it's Mediterranean and it's hotter and drier so it's more like what we have here in a That's sense right. yeah. although yep. much more tasteful sometimes but anyhow um, uh, but to go into the north of France where you've got you know little streams running through everybody's gardens oh and, I know oh, you and I came out just so <laughs> all we wanted was a stream through our garden yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you know you just become lustful everywhere you, you go you know and you, you know you see clematis with heads so big you can't believe yeah. it and, and they're dripping over roses that are dripping over something else and, yep. um, it is is it's you know it's sort of gardening on steroids over there, so it is. It, it is a fabulous experience. And of course, you go to chateaus and see beautiful buildings, and uh, we go to great restaurants. We you know some iconic cities in in northern France like Rouen and Bayeux, which are just beautiful, and villages. Oh yes, cute, gorgeous, gorgeous little villages like Lyon La Forêt, which is just the most. Adorable little place. Because the, the Normandy architecture is so incredible yeah. as well, isn't yeah, it? It is. It's just a remarkable place. Beautiful. And, of course, you do some other things like the Bayeux tapestries and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's not just about gardens. It's a cultural And, and you're raiding in Brittany this time as yes. well. You're going to be feasting on oysters, you realise? Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll have to say, oh, oysters or... Muscles or, you know, oh, I don't know how to cope. Um, <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah, we'll be fine. So, yes, yeah, so the dining experience is also part of the trip, of course. So Absolutely. That's, that's part of the fun of it. So, yes, yeah, so if anybody's still interested, I wouldn't let the grass grow under your feet for too much longer. Um, get yourself booked in um, because it is a fantastic trip to mm, Normandy. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to getting back there again. I love it. We should... Uh People haven't planned what they're doing today. Oh, we yes. should really talk about why you've been so busy this weekend. <laughs> yes, all right. Um, many people would be aware, but those who aren't, I'm now going to tell you, that this is the biggest weekend on Mount Macedon for the year, really. Uh, we've got our Garden Lovers Fair, and there's, I think I was told yesterday there was actually 50 stallholders there. This really? Year. So it's, it's far bigger That's, than it's ever been before. That is. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of um, different things. I mean, there's... a, a a knife sharpener. Um, uh, Open Gardens Victoria have got a stall. Plant Trust has got a, a, a presence there. Um, so there's lots of interesting organisational things going on. Uh, Country Farm Perennials, I know, are there. Oh, God, yes. In, uh, uh, and bigger than Ben-Hur, of course. They have yes. masses of plant material available. Um, and there's you know succulents and there's natives and there's deciduous trees and there's uh, perennials of all sorts. Uh, the boys from Antique Perennials are up there. Is uh, Post Office Farm there? Yes, you can buy all of Peter Lee's beautiful hellebores as well. Uh, so, you know, you name it, it's there, really. Yep. And and there's garden sculpture and garden ornaments and garden furniture and books and, you know, seeds, you, you name it, really. There's, there's, there's stuff there. So um, 
It's at Bolabek, which is one of our beautiful old heritage gardens on Mount Macedon, and some people say one of the best gardens in Australia. I find it very hard to call anything the best of anything because uh, yeah. it's it's all very... It's all relative. It's it is subjective. All, it is yeah, very it is subjective. subjective. Yeah. But having said all of that, it is a stunningly beautiful property. So if you haven't seen Bolabek, um, it's worth going in just to see the garden, uh, if you can pull yourself away from the stalls. Um, <laughs> there'll be a coffee cart there, and there'll be food and other stuff as well. So you could spend the whole day there, but don't. <laughs> there's too much else on. There's so much else on. There's Gardens Open, uh, which includes um, Dreamthorpe, Dreamthorpe, which is, uh, again, a beautiful um, woodland-type garden. I mean, if you want to stand in something that looks like it came out of Howard's End, um, go to Dreamthorpe. You know, mm. Acres of bluebells and daffodils and big old oak trees. and It's actually got a... a a creek that runs right through the middle of the property, which is quite rare up there because most of the properties tended to, tended to be subdivided where the creek became a boundary. Yeah. Yes. And so it's quite rare to have a stream running right through the middle of a property, and Dreamthorpe certainly has that. Um, it was really busy yesterday, I believe. I was talking to one of the uh, people who'd been gate-sitting, so there was lots of people visiting Dreamthorpe. There's also other gardens open. Um, there's one in Cheniston Road called Tannabruag, uh, which did open for the old Open Gardens Australia years ago, but hasn't been open since. And Judith, the owner, decided it was looking so good she'd just throw the garden open. So there's others to see. And the art show. I can't miss the art show. So at the golf club, um, in the horticultural hall at the golf club, we've got our art show called Artanica. Um, there's 94 works on display from 12 artists who all work under the auspices of the Mount Macedon Horticultural Society. So they're all members of the society and most of them go in and paint once a week together at the hall. Um, and uh, they are beautiful. If you, want, if you want to see good botanic art, um, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, there's some absolutely magnificent works and some really interesting sort of slightly cutting-edge sort of botanic art as well. It's not all classical botanic art in some ways. And there's some pen and ink, there's some graphite, there's watercolour. Uh, so a whole range of beautiful paintings. And uh, So it's worth going and having a look. That, that will cost you a gold coin donation just to go and have a wander around in there. And with 94 works, if you're interested in botanic art, you can spend quite a bit of time just slowly walking around that as well. Mm. So that's all happening up on the mountain today, and you could even call in and see me if you wanted. Sounds <laughs> frantic. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, yeah. there's just so much going on. But it's it's got a great vibe. Everybody's enjoying themselves. There's obviously lots of people doing some nice retail therapy. And um, uh, so, you know, what more could you want on mm. a lovely spring day to, yeah. but to come to Mount Macedon? And everything's reasonably well signposted, so you'll find your way up the mountain. You'll see Bolabek will be the first thing you'll come across. And the only issue with Bolabek is when you go out the back gate because you can't go back out the front gate because they've sort of got through traffic okay. going on. You end, out, you end up at the back at the Beringo Valley, and people are never quite sure where to go. And we, right. this year we still haven't signposted it properly. But if anybody is doing it and they want to come up onto the mountain, just remember when you go out the back gate, turn right, then turn right again at the next street, then turn right again at the next one, and you're back on Mount Macedon Road. Right. It's actually simple, but it seems odd and counterintuitive because you've actually got to go away from Mount Macedon to do it. To do it, Otherwise, yeah. you end up in the back of the Bringo Valley somewhere lost. Oh. Uh, I mean, you can go that way, but, you know, unless you know your way, there's no yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah, right, right, and right, and then you'll be up on Mount Macedon Road, and you'll be able to go to the gardens, to the art show, and my nursery. Perfect. So there you go. Now, I'm going to give out some of the details yeah, of good. it. <clears throat> um, 
Firstly, Bollebeck is at 370 Mount Macedon Road. Yeah. Um, now, entry is $12 per person. Children under 14 are free, and it's running from 10 till 4 today. Uh, Dreamthorpe is at 455 Mount Macedon Road. Uh, that's open 10 till 4.30 as well. And entry is $10. Children under 18 are free. And uh, the golf club... Well, you can't really miss it, but it's five, <laughs> yes, yes. 560 Mount Macedon Road uh, there and uh, 10 till 4 with uh, gold coin donation mm. entry for that one. Yep. So, yes, it, it should be a good day to be out and about and you'll go home laden up with fabulous Goodies. plants to, <laughs> to put into your garden. Yep. So, something for everyone. Okay, well, that means that I do need to get on with a few extra community announcements, and there are a few, I'm afraid, listeners. You're mm-hmm. just going to have to be patient and sit through these. Uh, firstly, the other garden that's open today is Astolat. This is at uh, 630 Riversdale Road in Camberwell. 10 till 4.30, uh, $10 entry, children under 18 free. There, there's going to be opera performances by singers from the Melbourne Opera Trust on uh, there's going to be talks on Astolat's Bees by the Beekeeper and there's going to be uh, wine tasting and sales of Scotchman's Hill wine uh, from midday onwards. So uh, that's all happening as well if you're wanting to visit an open garden uh, today. Now, other things coming up. Um, also today, if you're in the area, Pomonal Native Flower Show is taking place. And that's 9 o'clock through to 4 o'clock. It's at the Pomonal Hall, Ararat Hills, sorry, Ararat Halls Gap Road, Pomona. And uh, this year's theme is Native Gardens for Wildlife, as well as the uh, usual uh, amazing massed flower displays. Uh, the special features this year are some expert speakers, uh, and that's including A.B. Bishop, of course, our own A.B., who wrote Habitat, A Practical Guide to Creating a Wildlife-Friendly Australian Garden. So uh, uh, AB will actually be speaking at 10am and then at 11.30am Dennis Crawford will be talking about the importance of insects. So that's all happening up at Pomonal. A reminder that uh, Tesla's Tulip Festival is running through until the 13th of October. So uh, open 10 till 5 um, every day. The address is 357 Monbulk Road in Sylvan. Uh, they do have themed weekends. I forgot to check up what the theme was this weekend, but uh, you can always uh, go online and have a look and it will tell you. Uh, it's open 10 till 5 and uh, a free entry for 16-year-olds and under for that one. Now, uh, also coming up at this time of the year... David and uh, Merrill, our good friends at Country Farm Perennials, um, open up their own private home. Now, this is going to be and garden. This is going to be opening 12th of October until Wednesday, the 6th of November. So, um, uh, 26 days in all. That's very brave of them. Yeah. That's Ten- a challenge. <laughs> it is thought a challenge. Deal with it for that length of time. Absolutely. 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. It is free entry as well. Uh, now, uh, they do request that you please bring reusable bags or boxes for your purchases because uh, they will have lots and lots of plants uh, uh, for purchase uh, and these will all be plants that you'll see in the garden um, as you wander around. Uh, now, uh, 
it's also um, uh, it's about one and a half hours drive from Melbourne. Uh, it's via the Monash and Princess freeways. Um, Melway's reference is map 28B6. Uh, there will be tea and coffee with refreshments, including sandwiches, scones, homemade cakes and slices. Um, or you can bring your own picnic and picnic in their garden. Uh, now, uh, the address is 96 Langs Road, L-A-I-N-G-S Road in Nayuk. Uh, I will give out their phone number in case anyone gets lost, <laughs> and that's 5628-4202. So that's 5628-4202. But I did mention that they are up at Bollebeck um, today. Yep selling uh, lots and lots of goodies. Next weekend, they're going to have a stall at the Gippsland Garden and Home Expo in Lardner Park in Warrigal. And uh, later on in October, they're also going to be at the Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo in Wandon. And we'll hear more about that uh, Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo later on. All right, coming up, uh, an all-day workshop being run by the Cranbourne Friends of Royal Botanic Gardens, Victoria. And this is all about the iconic Banksia. It's taking place next Sunday, 13th of October, 9.30 for a 10 o'clock start, finishing at about 3.30. It will be held in the Australian Garden Auditorium, Cranbourne Gardens. That's uh, <coughs> corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. Cost, uh, if uh, you're a member of the Friends Group, $60. Non-members, $75. Students, $30. If you'd like more information, you can contact Roger Elliott, 8774, I should say, 8774-2483. And uh, they have a great lineup of speakers, uh, all, of course, talking about uh, Banksias. So it should be a really, really excellent day. Well, there'll be a fist fight over <laughs> Dre Andrews. Um, <laughs> Could well be. Yes. 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 Are, they, are they Banksias? Are, are they, they being moved? Are they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah but don't talk to Celia Ro- uh, Rosser about it because uh, uh, she is not prepared to accept the change because oh. she painted all the Banksias. So oh. if the Dre Andrews are now Banksias, she's she got to start painting. painting. <laughs> so, so she doesn't believe it. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Yes, apparently they've been moved in. Right. Um, and, you know, That's a big shift. It is a big it shift. It is. Yeah, but wait till, you, wait till you get your head around the fact Mahonias are all Berberus now as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got that one. <laughs> You've got that one, have you? Yeah. Oh, goodness me. Uh, that doesn't surprise me, really. Well, no, actually, no, that one doesn't. No, it doesn't surprise me either. Yeah. But horticulturally, they're quite distinct. You know, the yeah. Mahonias are a quite distinct group as opposed to the Berberuses. Yeah. Uh, you know, they all have compound leaves and there's, there's so many differences. But the flowers are... Basically and the, the yellow thing. sap. Yeah, and the yellow sap and the yellow roots and right. yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So they're obvious. And I've got a hybrid that was thought to be between two genera at one stage. So I've got yeah. that. Uh, and now it's just a Berberus as well. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, now the other one coming up on next Sunday, and it's Sunday only. This is another open garden for Open Gardens Victoria. It's Edna Walling's Bickley Vale Gardens. Now they've got the whole gamut 
of gardens. So there's eight uh, gardens opening for this, the whole Fantastic. village, yeah. which will be a wonderful opportunity to go and see that. Uh, so as I say, it's for one day only, 10 till 4.30. Entry is $25, but that covers all eight gardens. Mm. Good um, value, I think. It is right. good value. Mm. Children under 18 are free. There's going to be uh, gourmet sausage sizzle, coffee and scones at Down. This is a moving feast. <laughs> then there's tea, coffee and cakes at the barn. There's old wares stall at Down Dairy. There's Cards and plants for sale at the barn, and there's textile art and craft at Whistlewood. Well, there you go. There you go. Something for everybody. Absolutely. You don't even need to be a gardener to go to that one, by the looks of it. No, absolutely. Now, you can picnic in the gardens if you'd like. Um, so, uh, just a, an absolutely wonderful opportunity, one day um, opportunity. So, if you've never been out to Bickley Vale, I really do urge you to go and have a look. Um, you'll see her whole uh, vision for creating a village uh, where she wanted the gardens and the and, and the houses to all blend harmoniously into each other. It's a shame that some other developers haven't picked up on it since. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just such a fantastic concept and it, and it worked so beautifully. Why don't we see more Bickley Vales around? I mean, they don't have to be identical, but the... the principles could easily have been transferred to almost anywhere Absolutely. and yet they haven't it's yes. just yeah it's sad yeah. it really is there'll be some nice buildings to see there too I don't oh know. beautiful and and yeah. um and lots of stone walling i would yeah. imagine yeah. from uh, the mm. original stonework yes yeah, so beautiful mm. okay uh moving on because i'm afraid i've still got some more folks and i must get through these um there's a spring festival coming up for uh, Kevin Hines Grow, and it's their 40th anniversary. It's taking place on Saturday, 19th of October, 9 till 3. It's a 39 Weatherby Road in Doncaster. Entry is a gold coin donation, and uh, there'll be plants, top-quality perennials, herbs, succulents, uh, natives, fruit trees, vegetable seedlings, on it goes. There'll be roving refills. BYO containers to stock up on locally made, environmentally friendly household products. Um, there's homemade cakes and preserves, kids' corner with face painting, Devonshire teas, secondhand bookstore, and uh, Kevin Hines grow merchandise. There'll be a coffee cart, barbecue, jazz band, and a fresh flower stall. Also, alongside all of that, there'll be spring workshops on worm farming, waste and recycling, fruit tree pruning, composting, and how to grow terrific tomatoes. So there you go. Goodness. Um, bookings for the workshops are essential. That's fair enough. Um, $5 per person or $10 on the day. Uh, and you can book via trybooking.com uh, S48683. S48683, that is. Um, if you'd like more information, the number at Kevin Hines Grow is 9848. 3695. That's 98483695. Okay, we're getting there. Um, <clears throat> again, today actually, Ringwood Orchid so uh, Society have got their orchid show on. Uh, Melbourne College, 20 Brentnell Road in Croydon. Uh, it's open 9 through till 3. Entry is $5. Children under 16 free. Um, all sorts of orchids for sale, orchid bark, orchid fertiliser, everything you need for your orchids. Light refreshments, Devonshire tea, sandwiches, tea and coffee and potting demonstrations as well. And uh, Sunday only, you can uh, bring along one orchid per person 
to be repotted. Now, that's yeah. a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea. Okay, uh, October 19th, Mornington Community Garden, uh, annual open day. The venue, venue is Pine Reserve, Mitchell Street in Mornington. Entry $2, children under 16 free. Sales of seeds, seedlings, plants, vegetables, herbs, flowers, succulents, second-hand books, DVD sale, morning and afternoon tea and sausage sizzle, free workshops, demonstrations and children's activities, and a self-guided tour with a descriptive map uh, we'll walk you around the uh, productive and inspirational 16-year-old garden planted and su- sustained by members and the local community. Uh, okay, and now I might just leave some of these because there are so many and they're taking place a bit later in the month. So we might, if we have time, we'll get back to them. Otherwise, I will definitely get on to those next week. <laughs> Must but be spring. Yeah. It is definitely spring. Uh, dearie me. <laughs> it's more than time that I do invite our listeners to give us a call. I hope you're awake now, um, bright and cheery, because it's going to be a great day for gardening. If it is a little gusty, it's still great for gardening. The, that soil is warming up, so lots to do in the garden. Do give us a call. The number is 94190155 to speak to either Stephen or Craig. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Doug on the outside line, 94198377. Stephen, a plant, so a plant. I don't yes, have to talk. Yes, let's do something horticultural, <laughs> yes. Um, all right, I'll start with this one because it fascinates me. Uh, some people might know I hold some national collections for Plant Trust. And at the nursery I have the collection of Cornus. But in my home garden, I've got three collections, one of which is the collection of acanthuses. So, uh, and when you hold a collection, you don't have to have everything in the genus, which is probably a good thing because there's quite a number of tropical acanthuses that I wouldn't be able to grow no matter what. Um, but I think I've got 18 or so different acanthuses uh, or acanthi. <laughs> so they all perennial acanthuses? Uh, I've got a couple of shrubby ones. A couple of shrubs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they do get a bit frosted, but they seem to keep coming back yeah. fine. Um, but one of them that has just started to show its colours quite literally in recent times is one I imported from Ireland years ago, and it's a variegated form of Acanthus um, spinosus called Lady Moore. And Lady Moore was the wife of the director of the Botanic Gardens uh, at Dublin. Ah. Um, and so I imported Lady Moore thinking, oh, fantastic, a variegated Acanthus spinosa, that's fabulous. It came out of quarantine and it was green. And it was green, and it was green, and it was green, and it's been green up until this year, and I've had it for about seven or eight years. That's okay. a long time. Yeah, and so I just assumed I'd just imported another green form of Acanthus spinosa. for it, some reason, yeah, reverted. Yeah, it just gone back to a green one. Yep. Uh, but this year it has settled down and started to variegate again, which is really quite exciting. Great. And this is going to sound a bit naff, but it looks like somebody sprayed it with Roundup. Uh, its foliage, when it comes up, is sort of... Uh, a creamy, greeny sort of colour. Uh, and as the foliage matures, it will start to go green. So it, it's only variegated in the young foliage. The older foliage will go green. Um, and you know, acanthuses grow really well in the shade, so something that's got a foliage colour like this would be fantastic in a shady garden somewhere. And the variegation against green leaves would be very handsome. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really chuffed that Lady Moore has settled down again and is doing the right thing. I saw it first in a... 
bizarre little garden just out of Dublin. I can't even remember what the name of it was. It was something sort of cutesy-wootsy like Primrose Hill or something like that. Uh, and had this funny little sort of um, pixie of a man running it who was yet another galanthophile. Yeah. Uh, so he had about 500 different galanthuses, the snowdrops, which are all green and white, basically. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I can never get my head around this whole passion for yet another galanthus. How many spots do you want on a, on yeah, a that's right, exactly. And that yeah. one's sort of yellow instead of green. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, the minuty is just too much for me. I yeah. can, if I don't keep them well labelled, I muddle them up and I don't know I which is I couldn't agree which. more. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not a good galanthophile, unfortunately. And the galanthus were over when I went to his garden. But he had this lady more there, and I'd never seen it or heard of it. Um, and we bumped into it a couple of times when we were travelling around, and we went to see Helen Dillon's garden in Dublin. And I was keen to get a plant of it, of mm. course, because I mm. hadn't seen it. And I had an import permit at the time, so I could bring plants in and put them through quarantine and stuff. And I said something to, it, uh, to Helen about it. She said, oh, bloody thing, can't stand it, blah, blah, blah. She's very opinionated, is Helen. Um, I got rid of it, she said. Um, and anyhow, eventually I did track somebody down who had it and was prepared to... Um, actually, I ended up having to get a piece dug for me. Yeah. I couldn't buy a piece in a pot. So so then it had to travel with me for the rest of the trip wrapped in paper. <laughs> oh. um, and, yeah, so it went into quarantine with all the other stuff um, and came out the other side green. And so I would kept it because I thought, well, I've imported this blasted thing. I'll just keep it. But I... would stopped propagating it, you know, the first year or two I was propagating some, and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? It looks the same as the other ones I yeah. had. But now it has settled down and doing the right thing. It's really quite exciting. So uh, so Acanthus spinosa lady more, um, only available at Dixonia rare plants because it hasn't been released out to anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it's an Acanthus, so they're tough. Um, they will make decent-sized colonies, so those of you who are a little bit nervous gardeners and, you know, frightened of plants that have a zest for life, maybe you don't grow it. But, um, you know, acanthus is like fire. If, if it's in the right place, it's a fantastic friend, but if it's yeah. in the wrong place, it's a pain in the neck because it's really hard to get rid of. Mm. Um, but I think they're fabulous plants. So I'm quite pleased to have this one now in my collection. So I've got two variegated ones. I've got the variegated acanthus mollus, yeah. uh, which is a bit of a weakling, but it's rather gorgeous um, and Lady Moore I think is much stronger okay. so I think it's going to be a much better garden plant in some ways than the variegated mollus um, and yeah so it's a great addition to any garden especially if you've got sort of root infested dry shade with you yeah. know, big trees and yes, things around yes. I mean acanthus <laughs> is so good to plant in those places it quite sensibly dies down and disappears during the summer if it gets too hot and dry That's right. and then come autumn early winter up it comes again um, so I think they're, they're fabulous plants but yeah not for what them about, what about flower spikes? The flowers seem to be much the same as ordinary spinosa. So you'll get a okay. sort of a, uh, on the old measurements, about a three-foot, sort of metre-high flower spike with the spiky bracts running yep. up the flower spike and, and whitish flowers with a little bit of mauve staining. So there's no it. variegation in the flower No, it doesn't thing. seem to be because okay. by the time it flowers, the plant has basically gone back to green. Yeah. So it's only the, the early growth that seems to yeah. be variegated and okay. then it goes back to green. But uh, I love the spinosa type acanthuses yep. because their, their foliage is just so beautifully intricate mm. um, in fact I've also got um, and I've potted it for the first time this year acanthus spinosa spinosissimum group which is seriously spiky 
Right. It's actually got thorns on the leaves. Okay. Whereas most of them look prickly and they're not. Yeah. But this is prickly. Uh, and it grows in the dry hills of Crete and Greece and things. So it's actually a sun-loving acanthus. Right. And I bought that in years ago from um, Beth Chateau's garden. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it may have even been in the same year this one came in. I'm not quite sure now. Uh, <coughs> and I planted it in the garden at home. It's made a nice clump, but it's taken quite a long time to make a nice clump. Uh, so I just left it in the ground. And this year's the first year I've actually I dug out a section of it and broke it up. And I've done some root cuttings and I potted up the bigger crowns and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So I have got Sp- Spinocissimum group available as well and is it's that a, a handsome plant oh it, it is but it is very prickly <laughs> yeah. but it's a very handsome plant and it gets lovely spikes of slightly mauve flowers than some of the acanthuses okay. uh, and there's very intricate spine encrusted foliage um, and it seems much happier in a sunny spot yeah so um yeah so i think the acanthuses are great plants and that's partially why i decided to hold the collection mm. apart from the fact it's not too big a genus yeah uh, there's one of the gardens i work in where i use them in dry shade with that um persicaria red dragon yeah. they work really nicely together yeah it would it'd yeah. be a good combination yeah so yeah so reconsider acanthuses i mean hollard's gold the gold leaf form of acanthus mollus is a fantastic, fantastic thing plant, and yeah. it doesn't seem to be too no, it's not, not at all. Yeah, yeah, although I did have a client in yesterday from Mount Gambia who said, it's taken off across her garden. Um, so, but I've never seen it do that. It's never done that for me. No. And uh, it doesn't do that in the soil in Alinda. Where is it going to do it? Well, you would have thought yes, exactly. Alinda would be where it would go nuts. <laughs> but uh, maybe Mount Gambia's got special soil. I yeah. don't know. But anyhow, she said it's yeah, taking off across well, her garden. Well, of course, it's all limestone. Yeah, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe okay, in maybe alkaline I try it liming it. Yeah, that might make it take <laughs> off. Although I'm happy with Hollard's gold at the speed it's going. It's just yeah. such a nice plant. So, uh, yeah, so I think people should re- rediscover acanthus as a genus. I mean, mm. it's one of those things that grew in every Victorian garden yeah. um, and it sort of went out of fashion because it was too tough. And... Uh, I think in these days when we're struggling to keep gardens doing well, a plant like that is is great value. It'll fill a space without you having to do much. Yep, yep. So there you go. So we got any calls coming in yet? Or they? Not yet. Oh, goodness I'm, me. I'm, I'm just going to say that uh, if people have just woken up, the time is actually uh, nine minutes past eight. Yes, you heard me correctly. <laughs> um, you should have put your clocks forward one hour. So we are in here bright and breezy and very early for us. But uh, we are running through until the new 9.15. So do give us a call. We've got Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants, Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery in the studio. So we'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Doug, 94198377. Craig, let's have one of your plants. I just bought in a, some, some of the big leaf perennials that I grow in tubs, and the, the principal reason I put them in tubs is because it's just easy to divide them. Mm. Um, when you put them in the ground, I find that you don't get a great deal of divisions, but yeah. in a pot, it's easy. And what I've discovered is that some of them just make fantastic pot plants. Um, if you've you know, got a shaded courtyard or, or a balcony mm. and sheltered, um, these plants are terrific. Uh, the first one is the Ligularia dentata hybrid called Britmarie Crawford. Yeah, lovely thing. Unfortunate name in a way because yeah, it's too it hard a, to... Yeah, it's a silly name really. Yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, be better if it was Atro nice Purpurea. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but, yes, they could have given it a better name, but anyhow. The, the, the garden I got it from, um, he had it growing in a half wine barrel, mm. an enormous clump of it. 
Okay. And it is just fantastic mm. for a long time. I mean, it's well and truly up and about now. Mm. Flowers in the autumn, and then it goes down in the early winter. Um, some people complain about the herbaceous nature of these things, but I think probably in the winter you're more inclined to have a bowl of soup and a book <laughs> rather than be sitting outside looking at your plants. As long as the herbaceous material like that one pays its way through the year. Yeah. It's, if it's a serious ephemeral that you put into a pot. No, no point. Yeah, there's no, no point. point. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've given up planting tulips in pots years ago because you get about a week out of them yeah, and then, no, yeah, no. And then you've yeah, got to throw the yeah, pot in behind yeah. the shed. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so something like that that pays its way all through the summer and well into these, the autumn. These yeah. guys I've certainly picked for that reason and I've also picked them for the reason that they survive the winter. Mm. And quite a lot of these big leaf things you'll find in a pot, they get too wet and they rot, mm. yes. even if they are moisture lovers. Yeah. Yep. But these ones certainly survive and... Um, now that one was impressive. around all over the place for a while. That's right. It was being pushed out there, but yeah. you don't see it around as much yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Certainly, I grow it, and I have huge tubs of it on display, mm. and um, they look terrific. And the, fl- the flowering at the end of summer—it's sort of somewhere between yellow and orange. Yes, that real oh, wow. vibrant tangerine. Yeah. What a contrast to right. against yeah. the purple leaves. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. No, it's a great plant. Um, and the, another one is Macdenia. Yes, I like that. Which I um, also grow in a tub simply for the reason that it's easy to divide and I've discovered it looks really good, mm. really good. And if you give it a bit of morning sun, you know, two or three hours sun in the morning, then you get some good autumn colour on it and, as yeah, well. Not many perennials are renowned for their autumn leaves. That's right, great? but this one is, yeah. And it has, f- the flowers, look, they're okay. Yeah, they're not nice exciting. Nice white but, things. Yeah, <laughs> but the foliage is terrific. Mm. Um, and it's one of those things that will hang over the edge of the pot and big palmate leaves, yeah. divided leaves. So and it muck- also has a slightly unfortunate name. Um, but in this case, it's the botanical. Yeah. Muckdenia. Oh, not, yes. not, not really a romantic sound. No, it's name. not, is it? But it comes from an area called Muckden. Right. So that's yeah. where the Muckdenia comes from. Yeah. 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 Beautiful yeah. plant. I nice, love nice tub plant. Mm. And the other one is um, the Disosma that Stephen and I were talking about before called Spotty Dotty, which I'm sure you've probably discussed on the radio. <laughs> yeah, I have at, at different length. times, yes. Uh, she has made a few visits. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Spotty Dotty is a lovely thing. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate. You know, its name's very descriptive and, and it's easy to remember, so I, I sort of forgive it a bit. But it is a naff name for a great totally. plant. Totally, yeah, uh, yeah. It's such a beautiful thing. And as a tub plant, it's incredible. And, mm. you, and you can... Get it into, you know, gradually move your pot size up until you get it into a really big tub. Mm. And the leaves 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 get enormous, that's right. And and again, it provides interest right through the summer. Mm. And the interesting thing is that the Disosma plenianthem, I have found, does not react well to pots. Is that interesting? I've got mine in tubs. Mine rotted off over the winter. That's a bit unfortunate. A couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, I put it in the garden now, but this one... Yeah, Spotty Dotty's good. Very easy. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's comparatively easy to propagate. Too. That's right. In fact, if, I, if I'm dividing it, um, any fine roots, I just throw them into a polystyrene box of potting mix, yeah. and the next year there'll be little baby plants coming up off all, all over the pieces of roots. Yeah. So it's quite an easy plant to propagate up, mm. which we shouldn't be telling the people out there. Because no, no. Well, they won't buy it. They'll <laughs> find out soon enough. Yeah, they will find out soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when I first started growing um, 
what was at the time potophyllums and are now disosmers, yeah. uh, somebody told me about double potting them. And so you put them into another pot with more potting mix around it, yeah. you leave it there for the season, and then you cut the, um, the pot out, basically, and leave all the roots behind. Okay. And then oh, it came right. up as baby plants. But I found yeah. it did that. That was fine. But it's just as simple just to rip all the roots off that you yeah. don't want. And it's a bit elaborate. Them. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit too elaborate for yeah. a technique. But it did work. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I find all of the disosmers pretty easy to propagate. Now mm. and they're just lovely plants. Yeah, mm. they certainly are. Mm. And then this one seems to be, I mean, you look at it and you think that's going to be impossible to grow in the garden. Yes, it looks too exotic, yeah, doesn't it? But it's <laughs> just not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, and there's plenty of it about up at the fair this weekend. I have I've no got doubt. It, and I've got it up at the nursery, so there's, there's plenty of people around that are, are selling it. The boys at Antique Perennials always grow a lot of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's well worth having. And of course, all of these plants are dependent on loss of fertilizer. Yeah. Anything with big lush leaves like that is hungry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So feed them all summer and, and for a shaded uh, courtyard or balcony, they're just terrific tub plants mm. and an alternative to hostas. Yeah. Look, I sort of like hostas, but I think, you know, a hosta's a hosta's a hosta in some ways. Oh, uh, some of them are superb. Yeah. But, you know, there's no real diversity in the, in the genus. You know, they all have the same sort of format, and yeah. similar flower shape and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And of course, I get annoyed because I'm forever fighting the blasted slugs and snails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's a big problem. Yeah. And with a hosta yeah. looking like a ripped oily is not a good no, look. No, it's not no. a good look. No, no. But I love the, the slight blue tinge yeah, to the green the foliage. Yeah, some of the blue ones are Yeah, they're beautiful. They're lovely yeah. things. Especially yeah. some of the big ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I can't quite understand why there's been breeders going down to such tiny hostas that they're minute. Yeah. Uh, they seem a bit pointless. Some of them are a bit like Galanthus, you know, mm. how many different variations do you need in yeah. a variegation? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. But isn't it interesting, though, when you mention the variegated hostas, people who don't like variegation because it's a disease and it's, and it's a bit vulgar yeah. will always plant variegated hostas and variegated grasses. Yeah. Somehow or another, those two groups of plants don't seem to come into the tasteless... Uh, group uh, like the Acuba does and other things like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm a great fan of Acuba. You know, yeah. at, at Long Acres, I've been clearing some of the boundaries, and clearing boundaries at Long Acres means that with a chainsaw, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's dogwoods and it's yews and it's holly and sycamore and right. all the liner. And it, some of them are quite shaded, and I thought, well, Acuba japonica is mm. obvious choice yep. To, yep. to block the boundaries. Mm. So I took them up and I didn't get a chance to plant them, so I just left them sitting there, came back a couple of days later, completely defoliated. Really? Dear. And I've been through the American sites and looked at what they call... um, Oh, yes, the deer-proof plants. (laughs) Deer-resistant plants, and Mm. Acuba was on top of every list. We must have a different deer out here. I think so. (laughs) They stripped them very quickly. Oh, Goodness. If people want to see amazing hostas, they should go on the Normandy trip. Oh, They'd yes. be incredible. They're, they were amazing. They're so big, they are bold. They are yeah. huge. Yeah. 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 You can't leap over the hostas in some of those gardens. It's the they same are. on the east coast of the United States. Yeah. You'll see that they use them under the, under the trees and street plantings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got a query from the outside line. Uh, Jane from Surrey Hills. Neighbours want to plant a lawn under a mature melaleuca. She's advised them that it probably will not work. 
Uh, other options, question mark, she'd like the panel's feedback. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. Uh, you're not going to grow a decent lawn under right. a big Malaluka. Right. It's just just unfeasible. I don't care right. what they say about shade-tolerant turf mixes and things. It never really works, does nah, it? No, it's not going to work in those conditions. Yeah. The Malaluka's going to dry the ground up. Right. It's going to be full of roots. Um, uh, and they have such a dense canopy that right. you know, then you're not going to get enough light through for it to work. Um, if they don't have to walk over the area, then I would go for a, a, a shade-tolerant ground cover plant of yeah. any sort. I mean, it, it could be bigger things like um, the acanthus. I was going to say, go and see Steve and get yeah, some acanthus. Yeah, <laughs> and because if you don't need to walk in there, and if it's a front yard, most people don't use their lawn in the front anyway. Um, so just start thinking in other directions from lawn. And uh, so things like acanthuses, ruscuses, there's a whole group of um, really tough shade-tolerant plants. Some yeah. of the plectranthuses would That's do right. it. Um, um, the, some of those corias too, the um, the little, what's the little red one? Oh, yeah, the reflexive An- types. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they would grow. Well. grow. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole range of dwarf shrubs or perennially yeah. things that would be Far better bet. Um, actually, there's even a dwarf running bamboo that would do really well, Sassavicii, yeah. which only grows up to about two-thirds of a metre tall. You'd probably be able to mow that, wouldn't you? you w- well, you would, in fact, because it's one yeah. of those plants that you have to cut it down every couple of years because it gets this parchment edge around the leaves, which looks like variegation, but it's actually dead tissue. Yeah. But after about two years, that dead tissue actually takes over so much of the leaf that then it does look dead. Yeah. So you just cut it down to the ground, all comes up fresh and green, and then it starts getting its white parchment edges again. Yeah. Uh, and it looks stunning in the shade. Yeah. It's a beautiful plant, biggish leaves. So there's lots of alternative plants. As far as things that stay flat to the ground you can walk over, that's another Issue, kettle of fish yes. again. Uh, there's not many plants that are going to cope with much foot traffic, um, and there's not many things that stay really flat. Most flat plants are by nature sun plants. Yeah, they do That's tend to be. Yeah. The yeah. only one I can think of that might be worthwhile considering might be the trailing um, Euonymus, Euonymus fortunii um, radicans. Yeah. Uh, it stays quite flat to the ground, um, and it has a, a, a leaf about an inch and a half long and has a slightly whitish vein down yeah. the centre of each uh, leaf. It doesn't grow so dense as to be completely covering the ground. Uh, in fact, I use it quite often as a bulb cover yeah. because bulbs will grow through it, uh, so it's not so dense. But it will grow in really dry shade quite well and stay pretty well yeah. flat on the ground. Um, and, of course, you could look for some small things like even some of the uh, little wild cyclamens. Yeah, I was going to say, cyclamen hydrofolium mm. would probably do the job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's gone during the summer months. But, yeah. you know, you can keep the area mulched and it will look neat and tidy yeah. with a bit of mulch and not just bare ground. Uh, it's and a long you, flowering season. Yeah, and the leaves are there right through until the late spring. That's right. Uh, so it's only that high summer period when yeah. when things like hedrofolium aren't going to be in flower or in leaf. Um, so you know, so you could have some things like that that come and go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're going to be fighting uphill to try and get any sort of grass growing. And oh, even, I think so. Even if you get it growing, it's never going to make a nice thick swarm. Not under Melaleuca, it'd be patchy, yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they suck up a lot of water. Don't oh, they? Yeah. oh yeah. yeah, it'd just just look awful. I'd rather just put mulch down. Yeah. Actually, and mm. not plant anything if I yeah. if I couldn't find the plants I wanted because it it's going to look like it's just mulch anyway. Yeah. Yep. So there we go. So I hope that gives them some ideas. Okay. Uh, and 
helps them to think laterally. Yeah, yeah, think green, just yeah. don't think ground cover. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, there's plenty of sh- plants that will grow it. I mean, there's mm. some big shrubs that will grow in that dry shade too, things like Machiabella and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right, uh, Cubas or Mahonias. Yeah, yep, so there's, there's a whole range of larger shrubs yeah. if you just decide to make a shrub border out of it and sort of fill in underneath the Melaleuca that way. Mm. So, Good. There we go. Okay, another plant, Stephen. All right. Uh, actually, I want to talk about this big one. Uh, this is a shrub that you don't see planted terribly much, and I've never been able to quite work out why. I think it's just that it hasn't had any good press agents. Uh, it's a plant from Asia called Rhodotypus scandens. And Rhodotypus is quite closely related to Keria, the uh, yellow-flowered okay. shrub that's comparatively ubiquitous, particularly in its double yellow form. It's yeah. sort of one of those old-fashioned things that you, know, you see in lots and lots of gardens. Uh, the single yellow form is actually quite a different kettle of fish and you don't see it around very much, which is sad because I think it's lovely. But Rhodotypus is a deciduous shrub, about a metre and a half to two metres. Flowers at this time of the year, beautiful single white flowers against really lively green foliage. It's a bit like a hornbeam in a way, isn't it? Yeah, the leaf is really heavily veined and pleated. Uh, So the leaf actually has a lovely sort of textural quality about it. Uh, It goes a really good bright yellow in the autumn before it sheds. uh, And it gets, after the flowers finish, it gets little black seeds sitting in the calyxes. Right. So it used, I think it's, Common name in, in Europe is something like jet head or jet bead or jet okay. something or another. Uh, so little black seeds, which are quite pleasant and they look quite good when the leaves go yellow. Yep. Um, and it will grow in comparatively shady spots through to reasonably sunny spots. I don't think it wants to have a dry root system with a 45 degree day and a howling northwesterly. Yeah. But apart from that, it's a reasonably hardy shrub. You can prune it quite hard if needs be. Um, doesn't need regular pruning, though, so it's not something that you have to prune like your hydrangeas or it's something. It's an like. arching shrub. I yeah, a nice about. sort of gentle, yeah. sort of loose, never dense, dense, bushy. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's a very elegant plant, and I can't understand why it hasn't sort of found its way around. You can flower it in a six-inch pot. So, you know, you don't have to wait forever to get a a plant up and ready for sale. Uh, It certainly looks pretty at this time of the year, so people are noticing it. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know why Rhodotypus isn't more commonly grown. From the distance, you would think it was Philadelphus. Yeah, it's got that sort of look, except it always precedes pretty well all the Philadelphus I have as far as flowering is concerned. And, of course, it doesn't have a scent, um, which is... I guess unfortunate because that would be a, a good selling point if it yeah. did. Uh, but yeah, I just think it's one of these sort of underutilized, interesting shrubs that would always create comment when people see it in your garden. Mm. So I think the photos are up on Facebook. So go in and have a look at Rhodotypus uh, and uh, think, see what you think about it. But I think it's a charming and, and attractive plant. Mm. How long does it flower for? Um, well, it has a reasonably good flowering period. I'd say. Six weeks. Okay, it's not bad for a shrub. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I'd say you know about six weeks, and then you've got the autumn foliage and the little black seeds and things as well, yeah. which are entertaining. So I think it pays its way. Yeah. yeah so there you go. Okay, uh, we've probably got the our first time on radio. It's been talked about actually. Good. Maybe the first time a... in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've got our first caller. Fantastic. Yeah. Somebody's awake. Hooray! We're going to go to Sue, who's out in Narriwarra North. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning, everybody. Um. I've got a question about orchids. I don't know whether uh, anybody can answer it. Um, instead of buying cut flowers, I'm buying these orchids at the supermarket. Yeah, and they're packed the moth in orchids and things, yes. Sphagnum moth. Yeah. Uh, and you can get two and a half months out of them. Mm. 
And when all the flowers are full, I've now got a hot house and mm. I've been putting them out there. Will they flower again or not? If the conditions suit them, yes, but... They're so cheap, they flower for so long, and they will spend quite a lot of time before they come back into flower again looking nothing. Um, I chuck them out. Well, I, don't, I have one. no compunction about throwing <laughs> them in the compost heap uh, when they're well, finished well, flowering. Well, I did that with the first one, mm. but uh, my husband actually um, bought me a, uh, a greenhouse this yeah. year. So I've just sort of put a couple, the last two I've just put in the corner of the greenhouse mm. just to see what happens. Yeah. I'd try feeding them up. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably give them a good uh, liquid feed with one of the orchid foods. I yeah. think that's a good idea. Um, and don't cut the flower spikes off. No. Because oh, okay. those particular done. orchids will often send a secondary spike from the original one. That's right. Uh, from one of the nodes up along the flower spike. So don't take the flower spikes off. See what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as long as it doesn't get too hot and dry or too cold in the winter, uh, you know, no, they are tropical plants, so they, they need to have a sort of a nice, happy medium going on oh, around okay. them the whole time. Oh, OK. Yeah, because it's got automatic vents, this hothouse. I'm, uh, we're getting shade cloth on it when my gardener comes back. But, yeah, yeah I, my husband told me ages ago that I needed one years ago, and I said, no, no, no. Anyway, I got one. I wish I had it sooner now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can add another concept to gardening. Yeah, it's I have it's had so good. much fun. I've got... I've got two tomatoes in there that I potted into bigger pots. I've got tomatoes on, the rest I had to plant out. But oh, I'm having, I'm growing from seed, and and I've got, um, I grew uh, three pineapple plants from the top of a pineapple. Yeah. Oh, pot. you're having fun, Sue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. But yeah, look. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what we have picked and eaten. Uh, not from there, from outside. Bananas. <laughs> yeah, well, there's global warming for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's at the north end of the chicken house, so it gets radiated heat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and we've picked our second bunch of bananas. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, you're becoming yeah. self-sufficient. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. dear. But anyhow, look, experiment with the orchids. It's fun to do, and if you've got the facilities where you can keep them going, well, why not? But yeah. I also see them as exceedingly expendable. So I don't lose sleep over those sort of things. It's, I enjoy them when they're in flower, um, and I'm quite happy to see the end of them and get a fresh one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are good value, actually. They are. They're fabulous value. Um, yeah. And they last far longer than any bunch of flowers is ever going to last you, uh, and for no more expense. No, so, that's right. Yeah. So, okay. Okay, I hope, you get some, I hope you get some more callers. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully some others will be awake. Oh, we've, we've got plenty of plants to talk about. Yeah, yes, yeah, so we can keep chatting. Yep. Okay, Bye. thanks, Sue. Bye. Ah, that number, if you'd like to ring in, we would love to hear from you. The number's 94190155 to speak to Stephen or Craig. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Doug on the outside line, 94198377. Another one, Stephen. All right, well, my final plant is a tulip, but it's not your average tulip. It certainly isn't. <laughs> um, it's commonly known as the flame tulip. Um, it's... There's a lot of dispute about what it is, in fact. Uh, it's generally 
listed as Tulipa acuminata, um, but it isn't a species tulip. It's a selection that has been in cultivation for probably centuries. Yeah. Uh, and so it could well be something else. There's a book that was written by a lady on tulips who was also something of a botanic artist, and she decided tulips would be easy to, to do the whole genus, so she's created this monograph on tulips with all botanical pictures and stuff through it. Uh, and she calls it Cornuta as a hybrid right. uh, with inverted commas around it. Right. Um, who knows? I mean, unless somebody does the DNA and works out wh- where it fits in, but mm. it's probably just a selection of one of the wild species tulips that the Turks or somebody found and, and, and have grown it ever since. And its biggest claim to fame is the fact that its petals are reduced to almost filaments. So you've got these very skinny, narrow um, petals that sort of sit upwards as a rule, uh, and they go through yellow. In fact, this one's quite pale this year. Normally they get quite a lot of red in them as well, but they start at yellow at the base of the petal and they go up to sort of flames of red at the top so they do look like little flames sort of leaping up um, and it's one of those weird tulips that it's been around for donkey's years but you rarely see it for sale yeah. you know, it never shows up on the big bulb growers lists um, and I don't even remember where I got it from I, I must have bought it from somebody donkey's years ago yeah. uh, might have even been Rod Barwick in Tasmania or somebody like that I don't really remember now um, I can sort of you know I can sort of understand if you're growing it just by natural multiplication it's comparatively slow so it takes quite a while to build up stock of it yeah. um, but you know these tulip growers have all sorts of natty techniques and I'm sure yeah. that they could you know, bulk this one up if they really wanted to. Uh, and, yeah, it's just a nice, interesting variation on the theme of tulips. Really. I would have thought a, b- a big clump of it would be quite effective. Oh, it can be quite handsome. It's, yeah. it's really yeah. a nice thing. Um, One's a bit sad. Yeah, it is, yes. It's a <laughs> bit lost on its own, but I wasn't yeah. going to bring a polystyrene box full of them down. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, so I think tulipa acuminata or whatever you go to call it, uh, the flame tulip is a really interesting garden plant uh, and it's one of those plants that always creates comment, people see it, yeah, they, it would. They, yeah, they don't know what it is so they ask and then you tell them it's a tulip and then they look at you like you're a nutter uh, and then you have to go through its history a little bit and explain that yes it is a tulip but it doesn't look like the average tulip I know uh, and yes it always engages people. So yeah. it's a really mm. interesting plant. Everything about it says tulip, really. Oh, yes. Oh, it's, yes. It's, it's, yeah. The totally. way it sits, it's poised, yeah. everything about yes. it says yeah. tulip. It's just the fact that it's got these really yeah. strange, narrow petals. I think you see some hybrids from it, don't you? Yeah, I think there are a few starting to get yeah. around of, yeah. of hybrid-y type ones. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I just like that sort of fine petaled look I think it's just and you just leave it in the ground you can it seems to be happy enough in the ground good Um, it doesn't seem to go backwards particularly so I don't think it needs a serious winter chill Um, but it is slowish to multiply is there yeah, any problem that with can it? be an advantage. Well, it can too, because <laughs> if you plant tulip as saxatilis in your garden, uh, you'll have it halfway across the nature strip before yeah. you know it. Uh, I love it. It's a beautiful thing, but yeah. by God, does it, it spread. It spreads, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, actually, there's a garden in Macedon I drove past the other day, and I have never seen saxatilis like this. They had an area probably the size of the studio, so yeah. we're, we're talking probably 12 feet by 12 feet or more, uh, and it was cheek by jowl flowers of saxatilis that yeah. were sitting right against wow. each other, yeah. and it's just this carpet of pinky mauve with the yellow centre yeah. it was breathtaking and yeah. I don't remember noticing it 
I drive past this garden virtually every day, and I don't remember noticing it in previous years, but it must have been there for ages. For a very long time, because it takes a little while to settle in. Yeah, it does. And yeah. it's obviously really happy in this place, because yeah. I've never seen it flower like this. It was just remarkable. Mm. So some of the species tulips are fantastic plants, yeah. and some of them have incredible zest for life, so you can end up with great drifts of them. Well, I had it in my garden in the city. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fine, so... For people who want to grow species tulips in Melbourne, it's probably a good choice. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, so Saxatilis is lovely, but I do like Acuminata yeah. because it's an interesting oddity. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, uh, and I think I'm still labelling it as Acuminata, yes. Uh, I haven't fallen into using the name that's in that tulip book because I have some reservations about that as well, and I don't know where that name came from. Yeah. Um, and the lady who wrote the book, and she's not listening, so it's probably fine, uh, did seem to be somewhat opinionated, and there are errors in the book. Right. Uh, so, and, and her botanic art's not actually that crash on either if I'm going to be a real bitchy person <laughs> about it. But uh, I think she took on tulips because she thought she could just paint this red flare and that would be a petal. Yeah. You know, yeah, there was, yeah. there's no real sense of detailing in, in her work. Um, but, um, yeah, so I'll stick with Acuminata until somebody can find me a, a, a definitive name, which will probably be some other species with Acuminata as its now cultivar name or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So that's a tulip you don't see every day. Fantastic. Any, any tulips that will settle into the garden and flourish on their own are just fine with me. Yeah, yeah well, my yeah. lady's tulip, the Clusiana, yeah. that's, uh, I've got that in my oxalarium, which is my rock garden where all my oxaluses have been let loose. Yeah. Um, and it's made a wonderful drift. Yeah. And it's in flower at the moment with its, its sort of peppermint candy striped flowers. Right. And right next door is a huge drift of the blue Morea um, tripetala. Okay. And, oh, the garden's looking stunning at the moment. Yeah. It's just so yeah. beautiful. This Morea is so light and airy yeah. and the tulip's so dainty and fine. And, and yet they're both almost thugs. Yeah. Uh, and so they're sort of almost fighting it out together and they're fabulous plants. Yeah, I've got a big clump in the rock garden where Muscari neglectum, which is, you know, one of the really dark Muscaris, yeah. is self-seeded in amongst Euphorbia mersinites. Oh, that'd be a nice And they're both though. flowering at the same time. But, yeah, happy accident. Yeah. yeah. I like a happy accident. Yeah, so do yes. I. I always yeah. take credit for them, but, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, uh, yeah, when, when something finds its own sort of balance with something else around it, it's always very satisfying. Yeah. I love all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. good. I see you've been uh, painting your Duluxiais. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I love it. I posted it up on Facebook. I did the red one and the yellow one again this year. So I had Duluxii Aurea and Duluxii Rubra. Right. Um, and a couple of people have got back and said, wow, that's fantastic. Where do I get it? I know. I saw. <laughs> uh, How do you answer that? Yeah. I just say, I can sell it to you, but you'll have to get your own spray paint. <laughs> uh, next year, I'm going to do uh, Azurium, I've decided. Right. I'm going to do a blue one. I don't know how it'll, it'll go. It won't look... The yellow one actually almost looks too natural. Yeah. The red one, you can sort of get your head around that it could be a, a natural plant. Uh, the yellow one just looks natural, but it just gives a bit of colour. And I've got a, but I've got golden hops growing in that bed. Right. And and they tend to run up the miscanthus stems. Yeah. And so I reckon if I painted some shade of blue, I haven't decided whether it'll be a pale blue or a dark blue yet uh, next year. And then the golden hops run up it. It'll be fantastic. It should be fabulous. So yeah. yes, I'm having all sorts of wonderful ideas. I just need a paint company to sponsor me. 
<laughs> <laughs> and seeing as I'm calling them all Juluxi eyes, I think Julux should sponsor me. Yeah. You know, if, if you're listening, Mr. Well, Julux. Well, another paint company isn't going to now. No, no. no. Well, I can change the name. Yeah. Uh, I, rem- I remember I did. But a everyone talk- identifies with Juluxi eyes. Well, they do, but it's really interesting because Julux is an Australian company. We sort of can get our head around it. But I did a talk in America years ago in um, uh, the Pacific Northwest um, for a couple of hardy plant societies over there and I threw up a, an image of my bright red miscanthus and I had to find out what the local paint brand, brand was. They didn't and, get it. Uh, well, I had to change the name yeah. so that they would. But it's funny because the Americans don't get satire and 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 and... You know, the, our sort of humour doesn't yeah. sit with them generally. So I just said, and here's my miscanthus, whatever the local paint brand was, I can't remember. Uh, and I just tacked Ruber on the end. And it took ages. It was one or two people who picked up reasonably quickly and you hear this little Snicker. giggle in the, yeah. in the audience. And, and I was standing there hoping like, man, I'm thinking this is falling so flat. Uh, but eventually most people sort of picked it up. But even when you make it really obvious, some people just assume it's a real plant. Yes. Because, yeah. you, know, you know, why would Stephen paint something bright red? <laughs> and it's good fun. Yeah, so I did them the other day because I thought if I didn't get them done before I go away, it'll be yeah. too late when I get back because the miscanthus will have grown. What is it, Gigantia? Or yeah, it's Gigantia. Yeah. So it is actually miscanthus Gigantia um, variety Juluxii rubra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so we just clean all the dead leaves off the stems. We just yeah. leave the cane standing. It's fiddly as anything to yeah, get those sheaths off yeah. because you've got to get it right back to the stem. Yes. Uh, this year Craig did the cleaning, so uh, I only had to do the painting after, which was yeah. quite good. Uh, but it can take me the best part of a day just to clean it and paint it. But because the stems stay there all year and the new growth comes up through it, you've got this glimmer of red all through the green okay. or the glimmer of yellow in the yeah. case of the yellow one or the blue next year. Uh, <laughs> And you get 12 months of value out of it. So although it's fiddly and and it takes quite a long time to do, I mean, you've got to cut the grass every week or so in the growing season. So so I think that the time spent on my miscanthuses uh, is more than repaid for the amount of time I get value out of it. And I think one of the highlights of my life was when I had a group of uh, gardeners from the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne who were up on the mount having an R&R day, uh, and so they came for a visit through my garden. And my red one is sort of on the far side of my little lawn where I've got my fruit trees. And so we were walking across, and they all sort of looked up at the same time, and they saw this red thing on the other Mm. side of the lawn. And they all went scuttling across the lawn, and they stood around this thing for... Oh, it must have been three or four seconds before it started. Trying to, to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, before it suddenly clicked the, yeah. what they were looking at. And I thought, that's fantastic. I had all those gardeners foxed only for a few seconds, but that's all it needed. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. right, and yeah. It, it was fabulous. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I have had people tell me off. I've had ladies... Tell been, you off? Yeah, yeah, because they thought it was real and they felt that they'd been fooled. And so then they felt so embarrassed. They felt Sounds like their problem. Yeah, well, I, that's why yes, I, I think it. it's their problem <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, well, as I say to people, you know, I, I couldn't paint a painting. I'm hopeless at art and things like that. So I see this as an artistic thing that I'm doing in the garden. Yeah. Um, and if I'd stuck a pink plastic flamingo in there, people would understand it. They'd just think it was kids. Exactly. Nobody has a problem with garden sculpture. No. Yeah. And I see this as garden sculpture, basically. Exactly. Uh, it just happens to be a growing sculpture yeah, piece. Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah, so I just think I, th- I was very clever. And in fact, if you Google Miscanthus giganteus, 
pictures of my red one come up <laughs> in, in now the that's, images. That's the final joke. Yeah, that's hilarious. I, I think it's fabulous. So, you know, so you actually find images of mine, and I'm sure there are people out there going, where can I get that's that right. one? I'm sure there is. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so it's I great think fun. that's great. Yeah so, yeah, so I finished doing both of them the other day, yep. and I think I've probably still got a bit of red on me somewhere. <laughs> um, and they'll look fantastic for months and months on end. And so next year I just go through and I wiggle all the stems and anything that's rotted off at the bottom will come out and I just yeah. pull it aside and clean up the rest and mm. prune out any really weak ones and do it again. Yep. And it's just fabulous fun. Yep. So, yeah, so next Good year, yep, who knows where I'll go from here. Okay, okay, we'll look out for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got our good friend Sue Stevens online. Good morning, Sue. Hi, Pam. G'day, I'm Sue. Hi, Sue. I haven't seen you for ages. I, I nearly came up yesterday, but I was very bad and spent all my uh, budget at the Callista Market. Oh, you don't yesterday. have to buy things. You can just come and yeah, pay Yeah, you can say hello to people. I, I, yeah. I should have. Yeah. I should have. I, I ended up getting back home, I think it was a quarter to five yesterday. Ah. Um, I'm just out there. I'll tell you what, it uh, seems like a north wind out there. Yeah. Right, yeah. I can't believe it. I've just looked and all my pots and everything are drooping because I haven't had to water anything to... Mm. Probably since April. That's yes. right. We've been wet with Annie Yeah. yeah. yeah so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Craig, um, I've got an issue with Epimedium, so I absolutely love them, and I've got lots of probably up to probably about 30 Epimediums in the garden now, maybe more. Yeah. You don't um, know how to keep things as an Epimedium, do you? <laughs> no, I, no, no, you don't, Stephen. You wait until you come and have a look at my garden one day. I think if, the, if you can fit a foot in it, you can put a plant. <laughs> it's my philosophy. Um, when I was talking to you, Craig, you said a lot of the coloured ones are, are a lot more temperamental That's to right. just your, your straight form yellow ones. Yeah. So I actually moved them into a little bit more sunnier position and put them... So I moved them after I spoke to you into more moist soil yep. and some of them go dormant. But the only one... Um, I managed to find a purple and white one. I was just trying to find the tag. I think I've buried it in the <laughs> pot with the... Uh, with They're the all purple and white. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just can't get them to flower. So I've got lots of um, purple ones, the pumpkin-coloured ones, the rose one, and two different white ones. Yeah. And they just won't flower. You know what? The, the, the Grandiflorum and Youngianum hybrids, I'm just about over them. Yeah. Um, for that very reason. Yeah, okay. So it may not be you. It's not so. necessarily you. I, I, I've got them and I, I thought that maybe it's a water issue, so they planted them under the nursery benches where they get lots of water. Still yeah. haven't flowered properly. You see pictures no. of them in North America mm. and they are just stunning. Mm. Yes, so it's, and it's, I've, I've sea-sold them too yep, and fed them. them. I've done everything and I just um, can't get them to, to flower. And, and you know what? Even if they did flower, it, it's like a three-week period and the rest of the year they're kind of ho-hum. Yeah, the foliage okay. is mostly exciting yeah, with some of those. so no. many Epimedium species with incredible foliage. Yeah, yeah so you grow well, the them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got those ones. I've got that I bought just for the foliage, yeah. and they do look nice. They're, they are the ones that don't go uh, like dormant. They keep their leaves and things That's all right. the time. It's, it's yeah. the ones that lose the leaves um, I'm having issue. All the yellow ones, I mean, they flower for ages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good value, those ones. It's, a, it's, it's the 
it's the Yangi Annam and Grandiflorums. Mm. Yeah, so maybe you need to just give up on those ones. They're, they're, and, and, you know, I was looking at a list of epimediums the other day and I bought a few, but I didn't buy any more of them. I'm over them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. The other thing too, my Veronicastrum was wonderful that I got from you and it's just starting to put up a little spike thing now. They do go dormant, don't they? I yeah, hope the new growth. Me they do. Yeah. Um. <laughs> do you know what I found yesterday? I couldn't believe it because I, actually go to do plantings and I walk around with all these pots for an hour and still can't find where I'm going to plant. <laughs> um, and I, I bought um, from you the beautiful species lilac that I was going to put into Christie's garden yeah. and I just found it yesterday. Can you tell me the name if you remember you've got two in your garden. Is it and a big one small, or a little one? The small one that's in John's garden in... Um, Mayor you know, I that Pablin. had the open garden, yeah. Mayor I Pablin, I'd say it is, a little pink okay. one. Okay. They, they need yeah. the heat. Okay, so yeah. full sun. Full sun, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah best of luck no, finding but... somewhere for that, Sue, by the sound yeah. of it. <laughs> oh, they're, they're oh, fa- the, the, well, the little species lilacs are fantastic. Yeah. Great shrubs. Yeah. 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 No, that's got to go with that. I bought that to go into the centre of... Um, Christy's got a memorial garden that's got a lot of purples and whites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where that's got to go. It's just that I'd... I did go in that dormant, so I, did, I couldn't spot it. I all my um, pots. Yeah. <laughs> the leaves grew. It's actually it's got a, little flowers on it now. It's a tricky one of pots, my eye, Pablo. Yeah, it's not yeah. never really good in pots. No, it dies back. No. And you get a lot of dead wood in it, but, but once you get it in the ground, it's fantastic. Yeah, so I'll get him in. Now, yeah. um, do they need a lot of moisture too? No. Or they're pretty tough? They're really tough. Oh, wonderful. Probably give it a bit of water first summer, but after that you can sort of step back from it, really. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll pop up and see you soon. Everything's doing really well that we put in, so I'm really happy. Yeah, it's okay, a terrible then. thing when you have a nursery, you know, sometimes, and people think that they can't just drop in and say hello, that they're yeah, going we, we like ob- to obligated to buy yeah. something. Yeah. It's just oh, simply not the case. No, you know? and I, no, I don't I stop know, people Craig, buying but I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what would happen. Nobody would have any food if I came up there again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh. I already had... I had my food, this is really bad for anyone listening, I think I had my food budget down to $100 for a week, but I did it at Aldi, so everybody's going to be eating well. Yeah, well, you've got yeah. to have that money for plants, I know. That's you know, right. You've got to get the priorities right. Cabbage rolls Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and my children will tell you that I've always been that way. The poor kids used to eat Nutella sandwiches every day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, then, it, Sue. Good Thanks. on you. See ya. Bye. Great show too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, we've had a query from the outside line. Michael in Forest Hill. He's taken a cacti cutting, um, unknown genus. He's let it callous. Uh, he's been advised to put it in a cacti succulent mix with some extra perlite. And he's also been advised to go online to try and narrow, narrow down the genus. Is he on the right track for propagating it. No, I would have thought so. Yeah, I'd I, skip the yeah, perlite. Yeah, I don't think you'd need it, just as long as you've got something really well drained. Yeah. And cacti being so big and heavy and succulent, if you make the mix too light with the perlite, it's going to be top heavy and the yeah. thing will keep falling will, yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it needs to have some sharp sand in it in yeah. preference to perlite, That's I would have right. thought. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, as far as pinning down what it is, uh, that's always a bit 
interesting with cacti, and particularly if they're not in flower, so you can work out what colour they are and stuff. And the experts will be able to look at it and go, oh, that's a whatever. Um, but they can be pretty hard to tell the difference on yeah. the net. So uh, I don't know your chances of actually IDing it. Is uh, a tiller up at <clears throat> Bollebeck? No. No. Okay. A, yeah. Australian succulents. Um, what's his name? The Lucas... Yes, yes. Um, You'd be able to get it. Yeah, possibly. Um, uh, I mean, there used to be quite a lot of really interesting succulent and cacti growers out there, but some of them have sort of disappeared. I mean, there was, what was his name, Rudolf Schultz, who used to have a big cactus garden somewhere out western area somewhere. Uh, I remember visiting his garden, but I think he's retired and moved on, so I don't know where Rudolph is now. Uh, but, you know, there are cacti and succulent societies too, so... I yes. think they're pretty popular yeah. out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, it's always a great idea to get yourself in with a society that's specialising in whatever it is that you're particularly passionate about at the moment. So, um, you know, if you want to grow orchids, join the Orchid Society. You yeah. know? And, and I would say the same of cacti and succulents. I, there was a very good cacti and succulent society in Ballarat. I don't know whether that's still functioning or not. Uh, and I'm sure there's some, at least one or two suburban ones. Mm. So yeah. that, that would be a good idea. You'd probably be able to just take the cutting along and show them and they'll go, oh, it's a whatever. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought it was very early in the season to be doing cuttings from them. I yeah, think. I would have done them in mid-summer. In but January, anyhow, if you've, got yeah. the, if you've got the material, I guess you yeah, put it in. just do it. Yeah. yeah. And it'll probably be all right. If the weather yeah. warms up, it'll yeah. probably be fine. And certainly drying out the bottom, all that sort of stuff seems to be the way to go. Yeah. So, yeah, he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Um, I might mention a couple of other things that are coming up <clears throat> for people to put in their diaries. Um, Gardevalia, which is a festival of gardens, um, it's, it's such an extensive program. It's quite amazing. They've got 20 uh, private gardens of all types opening up. Um, now, this, this is all set around Warrigal, Druin, um, and the country there around in, in, in West Gippsland. Now, um, if you go online and just type in Gardevalia, all one word, you'll get the whole program. Mm. Um, but they, these open gardens are taking place over the weekends of 19th and 20th, uh, then 26th and 27th, and then there's also going to be some of them open over the long cup weekend, first weekend in November. So... Yeah, and and just an incredible variety of different types of gardens yeah, from yeah. you know woodland parkland. Yeah. Oh I, yes, I have like quite a lot of customers come up from down there yeah. regularly. And yes, so there'll be some really good gardens. Yeah. I oh, imagine. stunning. Yeah. So I do recommend that if uh, you can plan this one ahead as to which gardens you want to go to. As I say, because you've got three whole weekends to choose different gardens to go and have a look at. You can do all three weekends. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, and of course, um, country farm perennials are opening up as part of Gardevalia yeah. as well. Mm. Uh, but I do, I do recommend for listeners to actually go online and have a look. Mm. Um, I think you are able to, um, request uh, a copy. So if you go online to their website, you can probably request a copy of the program to mm. actually be sent out to you if, if you prefer a, a printed yeah. copy of mm. the full program. But uh, one to remember mm. because um, yeah, it's not that far from Melbourne and no, just, it isn't. just mm. well worth a trip. Uh, a couple of other things I really should mention. Um, uh, Rip and Lee Estate um, have been very supportive of this program and uh, they've got a couple of things coming up. 
Firstly, during the whole of the month of October, every Thursday, they're having Tai Chi in the garden from 9.30 till 10.30. Very pleasant because Mm. this is before the garden opens to the public. So uh, entry is via a gold coin donation. You get a scone and jam with a cup of tea at the end of the session and uh, you uh, only need to... um, to register, go online to uh, ripponleyestateorloneword.com.au and just register to enter. Um, and entry is via a gold coin donation. But that would be a very nice thing to do in this That's weather. Good value. Yes, very good value. Yeah. Um, Worth it just for the scone. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the 20th of October, they're having a huge event called Botanica. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Um, so it's focusing, of course, on the world of the botanical gardens, sustainability, etc. It's again, this is taking place in the grounds of Ripponlea Estate. Starts at 10 a.m., finishes at 3 p.m. Uh, it's free event for mm. everyone, and uh, some of the uh, things taking place on the day will be, firstly, an Ikebana exhibition by the International Ikebana Society. Uh, and those displays will be throughout the mansion. There'll be a display by the Bonsai Society of Melbourne. Do you have any bonsais going into the display, Craig? No, no. no? Okay. Uh, there'll be a large second-hand book sale with all books on, on sale focused on gardening and horticulture. There'll be food stalls. There'll be talks um, in the ballroom throughout the day, including Clive Blazy talking about seeds. Um, there'll be a sound cloud immersion experience in the fernery. Well, we, we all should be there for that one. I'm yes. not quite sure what it means, but it does sound interesting. Yep, and there'll be a huge plant sale with plants that have been grown by the estate gardening team. So um, 20th of October, just a one-day event, free mm. to the public. Uh, so I do recommend that one as well uh, to add into your diaries. And uh, Fernie Creek Horticultural Society have got their next uh, spring show coming up 26th and 27th mm. of October. And uh, that's taking place over the, uh, the weekend of, uh, as I said, 26th, 27th, noon till 4 o'clock on the Saturday, 10 till 4 on the Sunday. Entry is $5, under 14 is free. And, of course, the show will be in the hall within the gardens, uh, plenty of parking. Uh, there'll be good displays of spring flowers such as rhododendrons, azaleas, iris roses, lots more. Um, they are at 100 Hilton Road East at Sassafras. Food will be available throughout the show, including a sausage sizzle. There'll be garden walks and the two plant stalls will be well stocked with goodies, including some uh, fairly rare offerings. Craft ladies have been working hard to create some interesting bits and pieces uh, and there'll also be a cut flower stall. So that's all happening up at Fernie Creek there. Uh, well, it's actually um, actually uh, uh, in their hall in Hilton Road East in Sassafras, but it's under the, uh, the guise of the Fernie Creek Hort Society, 26th and 27th of October. I think that's their best show. The, 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 the one. spring one. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah. And um, just one more that I will mention... Um, because um, uh, there is going to be um, a demonstration by Ian Ma in Cloud Hill of um, uh, cutting pieces. Now, he's done this before. It's a letter-cutting workshop, but he'll also be actually in the garden um, 
doing a piece which will then be installed in the Cloud Hill Garden. So he'll be there carving uh, the pieces from October the 19th and then they'll be uh, installed in the garden on October, Sunday the 27th. Everyone's invited to go along. You can uh, go and watch Ian at work. You can ask him questions while he's working. He doesn't mind chatting while he's working. Or you're invited to go along for the actual installations on the 27th. But he is also conducting a letter-cutting workshop on the weekend of October 26th, 6th and 7th. And uh, he's run these in the past. They're very popular. I know there's only two places left uh, last time I looked online. Um, so uh, you are able to... Um, he will supply all the stone, uh, the tools, and uh, participants pick up the gist of the craft in two days. Proficiency takes a little longer than that. But <laughs> I'd imagine. Yes, but everyone gets to take home something handsome enough to install in their own garden. So uh, that is one. You do need to book for that one. Tickets are $400 for the full um, workshop. There are only um, eight places in all. And as I said, there's only, as far as I know, two places less. One of those might have gone already by now, but you would have to ring to see if there's any places uh, left. If you want to book in for that one, you need to call uh, Jeremy on 97511009. That's 97511009 for that one. So I don't know how he can, going on. I don't know how he can be talking to people and what have and, you and, and cutting. Yeah, what if he misspells time. something while he's, while he's not or, concentrating? Or slips. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, because there's no going back with that sort of no, thing. No, you know, exactly. You've done it, you've done it. Oh, it'd be fairly permanent. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Maybe he likes to take you know, continuous breaks, and so he'll stop work to answer your question well, and then do another bit. Well, I hope so. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> otherwise, he's got to be able to be channeling things at the same time as he's talking to people. I don't know. It's, yes, yeah. but anyway, his work is wonderful. It's, it's a fantastic skill. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, he must be one of the best in Australia at yeah. it. He's uh, actually, if you went to his workshop, you could do your own gravestone. Trust you to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite expensive to get them done. So well, you know, it is. Yeah, you if you is. want one. Yeah, you, and you can have it sort of installed in your garden until you're ready to use it. Yes, <laughs> true. The dates could go on later. <laughs> leave, a, leave a blank there. Yeah, yeah, leave a blank for yeah. the dates. Well, you're yeah. going to have to line up someone else to fill in the date for yeah. you. Oh, yes, well, that's true. But anyhow, but that would only be a little bit because I, I, I know how it's – I think it's 160 bucks a letter. Uh, Is at it least really? It, at least it was when I had mum and dad's gravestone done a couple of years ago and we made a spelling mistake uh, oh, which no. we didn't pick up uh, and uh, we've decided to leave the p- spelling mistake because if they wanted to fix it they had to shave the whole surface off the stone Ouch. and redo Ooh. the whole thing again um, and it was just a dad's uh, Christian name's Lawrence, but it's it's a it's L A W, not L A U. Yeah, and so they got the wrong way around, and we were so assiduous in making sure the dates were right, we didn't even look at how they'd spelled it because we'd given it the right spelling when we sent the yes. stuff to them. They sent the, you know, and then they email you a draft, so you look through it and you go, oh, that's fine, and then they go ahead. And it wasn't until it was installed we realised they'd misspelled Dad's name, mm. but uh, I think Mum would have thought it was terribly funny. But you know. It's, <laughs> 
It is what it, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. In another generation, nobody will know how Dad spelt his name anyway, <laughs> so it probably won't matter. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's a bit embarrassing for them, those of us who were in charge at the time, <laughs> <laughs> to have misspelt our Dad's name. Isn't that awful? But yes, oh. it's quite expensive. I'm sure it was $160 a letter. Gosh. And so when you've put somebody's name down and all their dates, yes. it's quite a bit of money, actually, just in, it is. in that. What so was the stone used? Was it oh, marble or something? Slate? No, it was a yeah, big, yep. big, thick piece of grey slate. Okay. Um, and uh, we just wanted something very simple. Yeah. And that's what we got. Yeah. But all those things are incredibly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So there you go. So you could do your own. You could do your own. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's nice to be organised. <laughs> I've, I've already told everybody what's supposed to happen when I'm gone. Have you? Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got your plot. You've planted your yeah, trees. I've got my shaded. tree, my plot. Uh, I've said what I want on my gravestone. Uh, I've said what music I want to be played. Uh, I've got it pretty well organised. Um, I feel good about that. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and nobody else is allowed to use it. But on my gravestone, all it's going to have is my name, my dates, and underneath it's going to say, Gardener planted at last. <laughs> so I couldn't use um, Spike Milligan's one So I made up one of my own Fair enough Because he said I told you I was sick <laughs> <laughs> um, So yes yeah, So Gardner planted at last The Macedon Cemetery will be there one day Okay Better be or somebody will get haunted <laughs> uh, If you can't laugh at it <laughs> Yeah No, yeah. no, fair enough Yeah, I mean it's inevitable We're all going there Yes yeah. So you know, I just think it's terribly practical. In fact, I did something that was probably politically incorrect because when I bought our plots, I also bought one for mum and dad at the same time because they were going up in price. So I was very canny. Uh, and so I bought these plots. And it just so happened at the time I bought mum and dad's plot, I hadn't told them I'd done it, but I thought, well, you know, we're going to have to buy it eventually anyway, so we might as well just get it. Uh, so I gave dad the certificate for his 70th birthday. <laughs> that was maybe a step too far. Yeah, it was a step too far. It was a very funny reaction. I got Dad was horrified. Mum thought it was incredibly practical. And she wanted to rush around straight away and see where the plot was. Of course. But Dad didn't want to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you can see who you take after. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Probably more like Mum. Um, but, yeah, so... The unfortunate thing for Dad was, of course, he lasted more than Mum did, so he actually got to stand next to the plot anyway. Right. Even though he didn't want to know about it, he ended up having to be there. Okay. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been through that whole process, and it's an interesting thing to have to do. And it does make you quite practical about everything, because you've got to be when that time comes. Yeah. When you're dealing with well, you family members and things, you've got to be you really do. practical yep. and, and, and organised yep. to make it all work well. So. Okay, well, I'll, I'll continue the story, yeah. okay, seeing yeah. as you've brought it up. Um, a few years ago, um, when my mother-in-law died, yeah. we had to get a plot in a hurry, mm. of course, as you do. And at the time, a lot of the local cemeteries um, in the northeastern suburbs were actually full. Oh, yes. Right? Um, so uh, when we went to organise the plot, they said, look, um, it might be practical for you to think about getting... A double plot, mm. you know, we do have some double plots. So we thought, okay, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, so in she went. That was all fine. I didn't think any more about it. And this is going back, you know, a few years ago yeah. now. Um, and then I suddenly thought only this year, because you'd actually been talking about planting your tree. Yeah. And I thought, I've got no paperwork to show for that. And there's another, when we go... I know there's another, yeah, another plot, plot there for you know, you. and I've yeah. got no paperwork to show for that. 
So I contacted Eltham Cemetery Trust and uh, they looked it up. Yes, 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 you've definitely... And they said, you know why you've got no paperwork? You didn't lose it. It's because um, because the plot actually had to be released uh, to be used immediately, mm. we didn't send out any paperwork. Oh. And I thought... How silly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so oh, I've well, now got... Well, you've got them dead to rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've now got verification. Yeah. Oh, it's very nice to feel comfortable that it's all yeah. there. Yeah. But the other thing, I thought, while I'm talking to you, I asked the question and I said, now, I know it's just another plot on top, which mm. is room for one more coffin, but I said, what would happen, for instance, if, um, if I decide to get cremated? If Cordell decides to get cremated, mm. can we both fit into that second plot? Mm. Can we use it? I mean, now that we own it, yeah. we might as well make the most of it. You know, We can fit in a whole lot of people if they get cremated. We can only have one more yeah, coffin. Actual, bo- actual coffin. Yeah. coffin. But we can fit in... So. The my whole double family plot has turned into a whole family <laughs> plot. Yeah, well, you know? there you go. That's practical. And it's sitting there, and it's very practical. Of course it's practical. And we're already under a beautiful eucalypt, so we're in the shade, so... Yeah. Well, actually, when we were selecting the plots, we did exactly the same thing. We walked around the cemetery looking for a bit of nice high ground with a nice view of the mountain, all that sort of thing. And we had a lovely big gum tree above our plot. Uh, and Craig was walking through the cemetery one day and the gum tree was gone. Uh, they'd apparently had a tree surgeon in who'd suggested it was dangerous. Right. And so oh, they took the gum tree down. might fall on yeah. someone. <laughs> well, I actually rang them and said, Who's it, it going to kill dangerous. in a cemetery? Um, but, you know, that was probably a bit facetious. Um, so that's why I got the opportunity to plant a tree, because Craig and I were quite horrified that our tree had They're been gone. taken down, because it yes. was part of the reason we bought those plots. Yeah. And so I don't know whether you've ever had this situation where you've got the choice of planting anything you want, basically, within the parameters of something that's going to be hardy enough to grow there, of course. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to make a choice. Well, I was paralysed for about three years... <laughs> Because there was too many things that I could use, you know, and so I, I, it took me ages to make a final decision because I wanted a big tree. I wanted a long-lasting tree. It had to be something that was going to survive in the pretty ordinary soil that's down at the Macedon Cemetery. Well, there'll be plenty of fertiliser down deep. Oh, yeah, but the roots have got to get there first. Uh, and... I wanted to plant a tree that wasn't commonly planted, because that's me. Um, so my plan being that the tree will grow up and it'll be this beautiful, majestic tree that they'll whack a National Trust classification on because it's something a bit obscure. Um, and so I spent three, four years trying to make up my mind what I was going to put in. In the end, I actually decided to plant Quercus dentata, mm-hmm. uh, the Domeo oak, because it's big, it's bold, it's a lovely tree. It'll make a nice shade tree. It'll grow in the dreadful soil down there. It's drought-tolerant. Um, and, and I figured people would come and visit me in the autumn just to see the tree and leaf and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so there's a Quercus dentata in the Macedon mm. Cemetery that I put in and only went in 18 months, two years ago. So I kept going around there during the summer and pouring some buckets of water on it to help it along um, and I noticed the other day it's just starting to break into leaf again so it's a way it's a way I think I think this year it'll start to really grow uh, but I'm hoping it's going to be a shade tree before the time I need it <laughs> that would be nice Craig's looking absolutely flabbergasted yeah, at both yeah. of us <laughs> oh, no look it's inevitable we're all going there one day we have no choice yeah, um, I've no doubt about that but yeah. you know what happens afterwards really not your problem 
Well, possibly <laughs> not. As long as you leave want... something, you know, so that the expenses are covered. Yeah, yeah. Look, I just think it's good to be sort of organised so that people don't wonder what you would have liked or, <laughs> or what have you. And I know uh, a ceremony is not for the dead, it's for the people who are still around. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I sort of figure when, you know, they play the entrance of the Queen of Sheba when my coffin comes into the, into the church, that will be good. Yeah. Um, you're going uh, to a church? Well, I probably will. I'll probably use one of the little local churches because they're cute. It's all, it's all about the aesthetics. <laughs> um, and, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a, a wake up at the Mount Macedon District Horticultural Society Hall. Yep. After all, I helped build it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's all organised. It'll be You great. never know what's going to be discussed on the 3CR gardening show. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, we're, we're talking about planting blue. other things. We are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we've got a we call. We must get to our last caller because, uh, yeah, we're running has out of been time. waiting. Yes. So, uh, we have Audrey from, uh, North Carlton. Go ahead, Audrey. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Well, on a very different topic. Yes, good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Tomatoes. A, a few weeks ago, I think it was the um, the ABC Gardening Show, uh, <clears throat> talked about the uh, very special um, select group of orange tomatoes that have extra tetracyst lycopene, or excuse my pronunciation. Yes, yeah. yes pronunciation. that's correct. <laughs> yes. yes. And I wondered if any of you were, obviously somebody is up on it, I wondered where I can access any of these. I haven't seen them in nurseries and so forth yet. Um, look, jump on, uh, are you able to go online? Ah, uh, yes. Right. Uh, Penny Woodward has done a lot of research on this, so yeah. you've probably heard her discussing it on this show. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would... Uh, I would um, Email her or jump on her website. Yeah, and, and go to the contact me button. Go or to whatever. the contact button mm. and she can fill you in all about it because she's done a lot of research. Yeah, she'll know who's selling about these About these orange um, uh, tomatoes. Yes, exactly. And she'll be able to give you all the information. And she's very helpful that way. So I'm sure she'll get back to you as quickly as she can and give you the details you'll need. Thank you very much. I hadn't thought of that approach. <laughs> okay, no, oh, she's, she's, done a, do she's done a lot of research about it all, so I'm sure she'll be able to give you all the information you need. Many thanks, and also thanks for, for all being so chirpy, having to get up an hour early. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't that chirpy when I first got up, I'm telling you that now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good on you, Audrey. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Craig. Did we cover everything you brought no, in? Still got oh, oh come on, you've just here. got There's a few minutes. A couple of things that, that are beautiful in spring that don't flower. Yeah. Um, Osmanthus heterophyllus atropurpurea. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful plant mm. with bronze spring growth. Um, good bush. Good bush, it, yeah, yeah. Nice, compact plant. Well, I'm a great fan of Osmanthus. They're, yeah. they're not too slow and they're not too fast. Yeah. Yes, they're very manageable plants very manageable as a genus. Plants. They're great. Yeah. And many of them have good scent to the flowers, although the flowers tend to be small. But beautiful perfume. Gorgeous. Yeah. And they, they throw it out a long way. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're hardy. They'll grow in shade and sun right. and yeah. they're reasonably drought tolerant. Yeah. Uh, in fact, funnily enough, that's one of the other genera that I hold a national collection of in Is my garden. Osmanthus? Yeah. yeah, I have Osmanthus, uh, Acanthus and um, Sambucus. Okay. I uh, have quite th- a lot of Osmanthus. Yeah. I sort of grab every one I can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you got Sasaba yet? Which, what does Sasaba do? It's a heterophylla cultivar. I imported it from overseas. I have released an odd plant of it. But yeah, no, I no, have It's not as easy to propagate as some of the others, but its leaf is divided into three leaflets. Okay. So it's the only Osmanthus with a compound leaf. Yeah. And it, and it, 
almost has a stiff bamboo-esque look about it. Okay, sounds uh, nice. It's lovely. And there's yeah. also a lovely gold heterophylla, uh, all gold. All gold. All gold, right. which you I imported. Yeah, I've right. got little ones that. We need to talk, Craig. Yeah, I need to come up and drive. <laughs> yes, well, wait till I get home. Um, um, yes, so I picked up the, uh, the fastidiot form the yeah. other day, which yeah. looks quite nice. Yeah. Oh, they're lovely shrubs. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I'm always on the lookout for a new osmanthus That's to add right. to my collection. And the other one that I quite like is a cuba. I'm always on the lookout for an acuba. And, ah, uh, now I might be able to help you with another one of those too. Yeah. I've got a couple of interesting acubas that I bought in. But this one, um, Japonica aureo marginata, yeah. is a big favourite. It's a good plant. Yeah, the um, the new the variegation only shows on the new growth in spring, and uh, it, it's golden green variegation, and it's beautiful against the dark green mm. foliage. Yeah. Yeah. and it is a female too. So it's if got you've got berries, that's yeah, right. you get the red berries if yeah. you've got a boyfriend somewhere yeah. around. Yeah, I'm uh, sure there's boys in my garden because they all have berries. Yeah, well, yeah. if you're getting berries on all your acubas, there must be a male plant that's somewhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, I actually went out of my way to make sure I found a male clone, yeah. which I grow and have propagated from, yeah. um, because the berries on acubas are so Fantastic. good. That's you know, right. They're big and they're glowy and they yeah. sit on the plant for months. Uh, so if you can get them to fruit as well, I think it's yeah. worth the effort. I mean, I've got some just straight plain grain japonica mm. Mm. that I pulled up as seedlings and I suspect the boys in amongst that Yeah, lot. will be. Yeah, yeah. will be. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually getting the odd seedling acuba coming up in the garden yeah, yeah, now. Because of, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to start collecting them and, and potting them up and just checking because most of them are coming from the cultivar I bought in called... Uh, Longifolia, which is a really okay. narrow leafed one. I don't know. And it's that a one. female one. Well, it's one I, I think I got it from Dan Hinckley in, in America. Yeah. And it's turned out to be a female clone. And the seedlings are coming up under it, but they don't, none of them so far are looking Longifoli ish. Yeah. So there might be some diversity in there. So we need to wind up because it's we nearly do, We do. Past. And I need to quickly say, Audrey, uh, who's just rang in about the tomatoes, Audrey, if you ring back, um, I will take your call off air because I've just found Penny's research which names um, the three tomatoes oh, that are in Australia and where you can yeah. get the seed and from. Quickly, Marie from, Whit- uh, from Whittlesey wanted to know about the variegated acanthus mollus, which is called Tasmanian devil or tiger or something or mm. another by some people. I just call it variegata. I'm growing it and it is out and about a bit. Yeah. So you should be able to source a plant. Yep, excellent. Okay, so Audrey, if you ring on 94190155, I'll take your call in a few moments. We have run out of time. A huge thank you to Craig and Stephen who've come in an hour early. and <laughs> We've all got through the program we've managed. And a big thank you also to Liz and Doug who've also come in very early this morning. But we'll be back again next Sunday morning at 7.30. So until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.